0: The world is ever-changing, and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there. It's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on, like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like wrestling with Freddie. With me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs. Helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm. Proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is an official download
1: from thecustardtv.com. Welcome to another fantastic installment of the Custard TV uh, podcast. Uh, my name is Matt. I am the co host of this here at shindig. I'm joined today by um, Michael. How are you, Michael? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Uh, And we were meant to be joined by uh, Sarah, but she's gone down with a bit of a a sore throat, so we wish her all the best. She has uh, contributed some thoughts to some of today's shows. Uh, But our second special guest today is one, uh, Mr. Luke. How are you, Luke? Hello. I didn't (laughs) want to do this this week. (laughs) Uh, I should say happy new year to Michael. How how how's the new year been to you so far?
2: A hit and miss. Um this week I was offered a job um which I accepted and it's a bit better money and a bit more opportunities which is good, but then the next day we got a gas and electric bill saying our money's going up from 88 pound a month to 209. Oh, whoa. <laughs> so my new new money's gone before it's been spent or earned. Huh?
1: And have you? Because wow. I did see you having an interaction with your energy company on Twitter. Did they? <laughs> did they? Were they able to sort anything out for you in the end? No, they've not
2: even replied. I looked on on their interactions all day, and it was just a generic, "Oh, let's see if we can help you out. Please DM us and blah blah blah." But they were sending that to like everyone who was outraged by over 100%. You know spies. I
3: mean that's terrible. That's terrible news. But it's also terrible. These might be the last four TV shows you ever watch. <laughs> you might and be. And that's what I don't like the idea of.
4: Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your
3: ears and trust them.
1: This is the Custard TV podcast.
4: Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From
0: thecustardtv.com.
1: And Luke, the uh, the new site launched this week I I, it, it, I was gonna say I understand. I I, I, I you know. know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, how's how's the feedback
1: you... been so far to the new site? Well, I
3: keep the microphone as far away from the speakers yeah, as I can. Okay. So it should be less feedback. <laughs> but yes. No, it's been very positive all the way through. So thank you very much to everyone and thank you to those people who contributed things uh, to put on the new site. We've got loads of exciting stuff coming in the coming weeks, and even Matt is
1: writing an article soon, so... If he says it on here, that means I have to do yes,
3: it. Yes, I can't edit that <laughs> out. It's on there. <laughs> now, Michael, do you have to
1: send um, all your things by uh, typewriter? Typewriter.
2: No? It's going to have to be second-class post.
1: As I say, you'll have to find out if your local library has a fax machine.
2: <laughs> or if my local library's open.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's the same url it's the
3: we've got a brand new look a brand new sort of ethos of speaking all positive about stuff and then using the podcast to say my real feelings on shows that i wouldn't normally cover and uh, just championing shows from the past that we loved and getting a whole group my group of great contributors and writers to talk more about the shows they love and new contributors as we go there's also a brand new page to look at um, what's on in January. That'll be going on February, March, April, May every every month of the year. The Coming Up page, the Coming Soon page is now called Upcoming TV. Because that sounds better than Coming Soon because nobody knew what that was. And uh, that's got everything in an A to Z list of what's coming up, what's been put into production, what's been renewed, what's been just commissioned by not only the BBC and Terrestrial TV, but the streamers as well. There's tons of stuff on the site now if you want to have a look. And this podcast will be there. There's a new podcast every Tuesday
1: from now on.
3: Again, no pressure. I thought I'd have a week (laughs) off. we got stuff we were doing and then I got pulled in.
1: I pressed the uh, break if emergency... Luke button. so yeah so this week we have got rules of the game which is a new four-part uh, drama from uh, bbc starring the very busy at the moment maxine peak a new game, game show on itv and index limitless win we have got channel 4's new comedy drama screw and we have got uh, from disney plus the reimagining of the wonder years uh, so let's start with uh, rules of the game. I I will set this one up, even though Luke's Thanks just God. watched it. <laughs> 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 this is a new, um, as I say, drama it's set in the corporate world around a company called Fly Dynamic. As far as I understood, a sportswear company. It starts with a a, a much loved Luke special, where Good we get
3: those back in twenty
1: twenty two. I missed them for a week. <laughs> Does the Luke special include things where there is a, uh, you know, it's it's a flashback, but then they go back to the to the, so they intersperse. Yes, it does.
3: I don't okay. discriminate.
1: No, because I <laughs> thought the Luke special was literally exciting scene, and then we just flash back, and we don't go back to where the exciting scene happens again.
2: I hate to tell you, it wasn't even an exciting scene. <laughs> no, it wasn't. A particularly particularly
1: <laughs> scene. Or you know, a flashback. So anyway, okay. yeah. So we learn that there has been a murder at the headquarters at Fly Dynamic. We have got the police investigation and their main interviewee is Sam Thompson, uh, Maxine Peake's executive, who reiterates the plot when um, she's been asked to start from the beginning. So she does. It sort of starts with the introduction of this new HR employee, uh, Maya, played by, is it Raki Thakar? Is that the actress's name? Yeah. Uh, Who was previously in EastEnders and Sex Education, I believe as well. Her first sort of task when she comes into the company is to deal with this long-time employee called Tess, who has sort of got a complacent attitude to the workplace. Uh, She's recently had a dalliance in the boardroom uh, with a junior employee, and Maya's keen to help her her get counselling. And she gradually learns that Everything she's offered to Tess has already been offered to her, that there's more going on beneath the surface. A lot of this is linked to the death of another young girl, Amy, 10 years prior, who was very close to Tess. Maya then starts digging around into what happened to Amy and also why her predecessor, was let go from the company but is still on the payroll. And uh, there's also a lot of stuff going on with a lot of the other characters. The business is owned by these two brothers, one of whom's wife is worried that he doesn't want to have sex with her anymore. Uh, the other one seems to be taking a bit of too much of an interest in Maya. Their mum is played by uh, a scenery touring Alison Sedman. There's also a story going on with Maya where she's fleeing an abusive ex. There's a lot going on here. And luke has got one of them horrible cats. Yes, um, yeah. which Sarah's got something to say about in a the, in the moment. We should say Sarah has, has sent in her thoughts about uh, Rules of the Game. But Luke's literally just hot off the presses watched this, so I want your immediate thoughts, Luke. OK.
3: Uh, Michael, what is the name of your gas and electric company? <laughs> EDF. I reckon Maxine Peake must be with EDF. <laughs> because why the hell else would she have signed up for this? Was watching this... Shall I tell you why, Luke? Why? Because
1: I I read the press pack. Go on, I don't even bother to do... It was filmed ten minutes away from where she lives. I think that's the main reason. Okay. (laughs) She said she was able to walk to the polling station after she finished filming. Wow, okay.
3: I just found this completely intolerable. I can't find any redeeming features. Everybody in it is just awful... But not in the sort of, oh, aren't they awful, but you're interested in them sort of way. They're just awful. Everyone's got a snarky comment back to each other. My thing about people not talking that way rears its ugly head for the first time in 2022. I just, I didn't know who this was for. I think the fact that BBC are putting all of this on iPlayer, but then also showing episodes Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, is perhaps an example of, let's get this out the way. It's like one of those, and I know Michael's watched a few of those Harlan Coben things and likes them, but it's like one of those without any of the charm, because people get sucked into those, uh, and they're intrigued. This, I just could not wait to end. I thought the actress who played Maya, who, as you said, also appeared in Sex Education and EastEnders, she's a really interesting screen presence. She's... She's soft. She's oh, warm. I
1: thought she was. I. You know. You said you didn't like any of the cast. I, I. did she, gravitate she, towards she's her. She's the closest to likable as the show mm-hmm. gets. And Tess. I thought Tess was an interesting no, character. No. No. I, okay. Yeah, I'll wait for her to die. <laughs> we don't know who's died. We don't care who's died. Is
3: also the other thing. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just a mess. It's a real mess, and I, it gives me no pleasure because I. This year I wanted to come on and be positive, but I, I just. I can't be positive about this show. It's an hour I'll never get back. I'm embarrassed I made Michael watch it because he's not been on the podcast a while. I absolutely thought it had no merit. I but think.
1: Maybe
2: Michael loved it. Michael, what did you think? Ah, Essentially, <laughs> it's rich people creating their own problems. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's people politics, isn't it? It's basically people politics set to a weird, curious score and the tone was really odd. There's something I didn't understand that there was such a disparity between certain things. It's they're saying it's a small town where they are, yet the office is were massive, probably yeah. bigger than the small town they're claiming to be in. It's, <laughs> it's, it's well,
3: they're probably the hub of the town. It, Perhaps that to is, me. It town. was it was really
1: weird that Maya was living across the road. She's just moved to this new town. She's moved into a new house, and her house is across the road from one of the owners and his wife. And they're all having cheese club. And <laughs> it felt like, is it Cypress Creek in The Simpsons, where they moved to Hank Scorpio? Yeah. Where it's like a little, almost like corporate village for the employees of this, yeah. this sportswear company. Dist- Perhaps no. the hammock district is <laughs> uh, in episode two. two. <laughs> um but that's what it felt like to me like all the like you know the wives and the the female employers are all getting together for cheese and wine on a on a tuesday afternoon or something you know it, it all felt very incestuous and and uh, sorry michael i, I sort of cut didn't you off
3: i struggled to connect people i didn't know mm. anybody was did you have that yeah the,
2: people, michael um a bit i think that a lot of characters are introduced throughout it, because obviously you've got the troubled worker there. You've got the family that live opposite uh, Maya. You've got the boss and his wife who are having their problems. There's, there's a lot going on. It has this weird feel of a psych- psychological thriller in a workplace environment, but you mentioned it earlier, but it's got that airport thriller vibe, hasn't it? Mm. But it's just very sedate and subdued. So it's, it's a thriller without much thrill.
1: As I say, I, I had a read of the press pack, and the writer to this is a lady called Ruth Fowler, who um,
3: had a very... in for a time.
1: In EastEnders, yeah, thanks. Married Lee. to Mark. <laughs> she worked as a, a pole dancer for a number of years in New York while she was trying to get her visa, and she wanted to write something about, like, the toxic culture and, you know, masculinity, and she said nobody wanted to know until... Me Too and the Harvey Weinstein stuff. And so this is her attempt to write something about, you know, that sort of toxic masculine culture. Oh, that culture. Makes me even
2: angrier. That's the weird thing. By the end mm. of it, once things hung together, when that, that wife was watching the hard pornography and that man was aggressive with Maxine Peake's character... I could see, like, the heart of the subject is the flaw in a system, isn't it? Where men have power mentally and physically. That's where the rotten company is. And that's probably the statement of that's a rotten society. Hmm. And that's commendable, that- but it's not very interesting, the rest of it.
1: I think I enjoyed this more than, well, I, I, I clearly did, <laughs> the, the, the both of you. And because of those elements of it, because of the se- I, I mean, I liked the scenes with Tess and Maya together. And there's that scene where she says, you know, I lost my virginity in this office, and I, I felt that that was... There were bits that got me in no, terms of, way. like, <laughs> my time <laughs> to speak now. It all just gets sort of mired in mired, you know, in this sort of, as you say, the airport thrillerness of it, to the extent that the things that it is trying to say about being a woman in this world are muddied down, and the bits that I liked, as I said, the stuff with Tess and her almost being completely checked out of her life because of what she's seen because when she started this, at this place as a young woman being indoctrinated as in a world of drink and drugs and sexual favors and and obviously something similar happened to amy and she wasn't as lucky you know she lost her life maxine's Pete's character sam started when she was 16 but she sort of almost put on this cold icy front to deal with it I'm presuming her daughter is the product of a relationship with one of the two owners of the company. Yeah, that um, was
3: another snarky back comment, wasn't it? That yeah, was usually...
1: but yeah, I mean, I, I could see why you don't like it. I enjoyed it while it was on. I, I didn't have any major issues with it, but I, I don't, but I don't know if I am going to continue with it. But I don't. I all I, again. I, I thought it was fine. I said this. I, I might say this about another thing, but it was fine. This was far from fine. I
3: in your opinion, a, opinion. No, in, in, in my opinion. opinion, yes, but it, it, my opinion <laughs> counts for a lot when there's only two other opinions on here. And <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, actually,
1: there's another opinion. Sarah's opinion. So she says, "I was not expecting this. The advert made it look slicker and more intelligent. Unique family culture is the first red flag." New HR manager, Maya, company of parents, she's there to make them look more progressive. She mentions the intrusive music, which I think... Was that you, Michael, who brought that up?
2: Yeah, it's just odd. It's just so weird.
1: The, again, vague northern area, which they didn't sort of specify. But we do get that a lot in dramas, don't we, that they don't really tell you where you are. Too many characters, messy, too many fuzzy flashbacks, don't care about the characters. Classic annoying trope of keeping the dead person's identity a secret. Mm. Again, you said this is basically echoing exactly what Michael says. In the very last seconds, I didn't hate Sam. There's hu- some humanity there. She's been regressing for years. She regrets what happened to Amy, and she also says, "I, I am pro Cheese Club and pro Audrey, the naughty naked sphinx cat Luke." I do oh, not well, expect Audrey to survive thank the God series. she's
3: not here. Thank God she's not here. <laughs>
1: This is on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday for some strange I think reason. It's the worst uh,
3: BBC drama we've covered since Gold Digger, and that was one of my least favourite things I've ever I'm done. I'm sure
1: we could find something from the past two years. Why did you hate it as much? I, I still don't understand why you hated it everything, as much as you did. Everything
3: about everything about it was awful. It had no redeeming qualities. I hate the way people spoke to each other. People don't speak like that. I hated the world. It didn't, I think it people do
1: speak to each other like that, though. Some people do. There was a lot. I, I'll tell you. There was a lot of um, expositional dialogue. Why
3: I'll give you, you that. Have but the Hollington Drive reaction to it because I was convinced you were going to Cause I Michael's think because ad, I I people problems.
1: but as I say I liked the characters of Tess and Maya you see I liked those two characters so there were two characters there I was willing to follow their journey I cared about them I thought they did a good job of of when Maya's ex turned up, her being really jittery all of a sudden. I, I think a character like Maya does exist in the you know someone who wants no, to do. No, I agree with that. A... But
3: all the snarky business. I mean, there's a line where they say they don't even know what the company does. I mean, that's ridiculous.
1: Who says that?
3: They they say something like, "What's an? They're an HPO or something like that," and somebody says, no, what do "Well, we no, that they, they, they
1: mentions is." it's a sportswear company that's the they mentioned that at the start i got that straight away because they said they they rival jd sports um but no i, I mean there were, there were two characters there who i liked and i understood their background i understood where they were coming from i thought the two actresses were very good i agree i think Maxine peak i've never seen you know seen she's going the bad through
3: thing. this this is she's going the through bad
1: thing. she's going through the motions a little bit in this i would say but i think the character she's playing has got the walls up, he's very repressed mm. and that's possibly the issues you had there is that she's, she is holding back but that is part of the character. I, I, think I, I didn't like any of the thriller elements of it but mm. I think there were bits there that possibly, and again we go back to the writer's vision being very different to what actually ends up on screen. I agree that there, there are elements of that middle-classness that I don't like, but those characters are presented almost as the
2: villains in this, which which makes sense to me. I think if it explores the patriarchy side more and the issues there, and mm. has less cheese parties, then it, <laughs> might, it might develop into something good. But I think because it's got that psychological thriller vibe enhanced reality to it that's going to nullify the message of it's possibly it because old oh, people won't want to watch
1: just a drama that's about that we need 50%. to put more you know of these elements you know there's every, every so often he says why have you employed her? she's asking too many questions things and i didn't mm, like that ridiculous. but i i i i liked the bits where it felt more like there was character stuff going on and i did feel there were bright spots in here i can understand the bits you took against but i i the sort whole of thing understood...
3: was a cheese party for me
1: <laughs> when you told me about what the
3: writer's background was mm. that makes me even more angry because that's an interesting story that i don't think i've mm. seen well on she's screen. written a book
1: she's written a book about it like so if you want to buy that
3: this is just a generic thrilling thriller in the thriller machine this mm. isn't anything special, I I didn't know the writer, but if that's a backstory put that on screen, I'd watch that and enjoy that and you could speak more truth
1: in that this was just a generic office based but again I don't think they would put that on BBC on on 9pm, that would be like a BBC 3 10.35 on After the News, I don't think that the BBC would have courage enough to put that story on 9pm on a Tuesday night and unfortunately, that's the case, that they don't mm. feel that that story would speak to the wider demographic. So we have to sort of hide that message within a, a bog sand thriller. So mm. I'm on the fence with this. I didn't mind this, I would I have to say.
2: I wouldn't say I hate it like Luke does. Well, because I hate you both. Well, no, essentially, like, the cast is a good cast. Like yeah, Max but they're not Dick given Racky, to
3: do. And,
2: and Susan Macoma, who I really like. But this is the problem. I think my biggest problem with it, it, it just doesn't hang together. It doesn't mm. really know what it wants to be. I and agree it's with left, that. It's left hanging.
1: No, I, I agree well, with that.
2: But if you want
1: to watch it, as I say, <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all, all on the iPlayer. Now over to, I think Luke should settle up Limitless Wind for us. If
3: you've seen Friends, you know when Joey auditions for bamboozled. <laughs> That's basically Ant and Dec's Limitless Wing. In the first episode, there is a a couple. They work for the NHS and they. Um, they it's a it's a, a, a quiz. We should say it's a game it's a show. show. It's not, yeah, you're it's, setting it
1: up like it's a drama. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's Ant and, yeah, Ant and Dec's first quiz show after Push the Button, I think, which ended in
1: 2010. It's medal
3: block. 2011,
1: 2013. Because mm, they are pushing it as Anton Deck's first new show in over a decade, not for, forgetting that the last one, I'm sure, was Red or Black, which yes, was but, horrendous.
3: But I'd forgotten Red or Black, so you can't blame my TV for that either. It's quite a tricky one for me to set up the sort of the rules of the game, as it were. <laughs> The USP of this, supposedly, is that there is a limited amount of cash they can win. Unlimited. Unlimited sense of cash they could win. I wasn't prepared for the show this weekend. <laughs> Unlimited ladder of, of money they could win. There's like a ladder that just goes up to the sky. They're in a set similar, in a way, to the million-pound drop, that sort of set, reminded me of. So there's Anton Deck and the couple, in this case, were NHS workers... And it's the sort of questions where you're asked, like how many flags and say it, all the answers compete.
1: are a number, aren't they? All yeah. the answers are and a number, and they have
3: to dial along using a dial to lock in their answer. They've got lifelines that tell them that they can use. They
1: can use. You forgot the about patients. the them getting lives as well. I can't set this up. It's embarrassing. Okay, so pl- do you want me to give it a go? <laughs> Because I, I didn't find it as complicated as everyone else seems to have found it. So two contestants come on. As, as Luke said, there's a, la- there's a ladder of money that resets after every question into higher and higher amounts. They start by answering questions. Every right answer they get ends them five lives. Once they've had a minute of those questions, they get those lives to play with. The question each time is a number they can give a number which isn't accurate. For every number that they are off, that number, they lose a life. (laughs) But if they go over that number, then they're out of the game. So they can't go over the number that is the answer to the question. If they get a right answer, (laughs) they win the money that they've gone over on the ladder and they get more lives. They can cash out at any time. What about the Luke's... Wicked go card? And, and as Luke said, they get various lifelines which help them narrow down the answer that they get. I think that's all the rules.
2: Sorry, Matt. Could um, you us. repeat that? I didn't hear that. No. There's
1: a... <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and it is
3: complicated. I drifted off while you were doing that, and I appreciate you doing that. But it, But that—that's. I didn't find it that complicated. It's not that it's, not, it's, not it's that complicated. It's just that it's dull. It's just an incredible... I mean, you're the quiz Mm. show expert. Am I? Especially on this podcast, I think Mm. you are. Did you find it a fascinating quiz show that you could play along with? Is that why you watch them, to play along?
1: There's several sort of things you you get from a quiz show, and I think we talked about... The last quiz we talked about, I believe, was Gordon Ramsay's Bank Balance. Yeah, then were the days. (laughs) Morning days. There is that sort of play along at home element, which this didn't have because the questions were designed, the answers to be guessed for the most Mm. part, Mm. because they're all not. Unless, you know, when Jeff Bezos founded Amazon, uh, then, then, you know, you are guessing for the most part, you know, how many items are in a full English breakfast, for example? (laughs) I bet you got that one, didn't you, Luke?
3: I did. Forgot about pudding because I never normally
1: have it. You know, you can't play along at home because those aren't questions that most people would know the answer to. The other thing is that sort of relationship between the host and the contestants, which I don't think, again, this had. No. No. It didn't make the most out of Anton Ant Deck, or, you know, some of the best hosts on TV if you give them the right, right format. But I don't think they're right for a game show because you can't really get that energy out of them they can't really have that banter back and forth that that they're known for and it is their skill because they're having to interact with the contestants and I think that's why they've never had a game show format that's worked for them because they don't really work within the confines of a game show as you said Luke the set is very basic the visuals are very basic I thought one of the production companies would be Psycho because the opening visuals were very... It
3: doesn't exist anymore, you know?
1: Oh, does it not? No. Or something linked to Simon Cowell because the visuals were very much old X Factor, weren't they? They were like the ones that flashed up at the beginning where it was like unlimited money ladder. It felt like it should say, it's time to face the music. Time Um, to face the ladder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which um, just sounds like it's like a DIY show. Just underwhelming, really, for me. I can see why people were easily confused by it. I mean, we're talking, we were talking about an article that you shared where people have accused the two contestants of being acting actors because they didn't react to winning uh, £500,000. No, but...
3: That was the other thing. They had no reaction. Like Anton and Dec, who were bona fide millionaires were really on the edge of their seats on the set at different times and they but... just had no reaction at
1: all. I got the impression that they were still wondering should we go on and you know not every. I, I think not everyone has that tv show reaction that they create that they were craving but I, I suppose the other element is caring about the contestants which I did and I felt that they came across as likable even though if they didn't really give as strong reaction and I think they needed to start with people who you were rooting for who worked for the NHS so that made sense to me but it's forgettable and and I think there are much better game shows out there at the moment. Uh, What about you, Michael?
2: Well, essentially, the quiz show format by nature is coming up with different, more convoluted ways to ask and answer questions, isn't it? I would just rather go to a pub, record a pub quiz, put it on telly. I, I love answering questions and I love that element of it. What's your favourite question
3: to answer, Michael?
2: Oh, I mean, that one, the one you just said.
3: Oh, wow, Okay. (laughs) Came out the gate (laughs) strong.
2: Once you do the lives and the lifeline and this and that, I know they're doing it for dramatic purposes, and I I know all that, but the the problem with, as with any ITV show, not even just quiz shows, everything's so homogenised, isn't it? It's... Generic studios, generic music, generic graphics. Gary Barlow did that music. i like, <laughs> how could it be generic? <laughs> you know what um, I really struggled on? The Blue Peter question, how many sales and flags does the badge have? And I was going to my girlfriend, I was going, oh, I can picture it in my, my mind. It, it's blue, isn't it? And she just looked at me. Just looked is at blue, me like, absolutely. It is blue, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, of course it is, it's Blue Peter. <laughs>
3: Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm, we're both on the same boat. Exactly. So that...
2: today. I mean, I get, I get why they're doing it for dramatic purposes and to keep the ebb and flow of, of suspense going, but I just refuse to accept that ITD would happily pay out this so-called limitless ladder, 10, 12, 20 million to someone. They'll restrict it to a certain amount. You, they're not going to get beyond a certain amount anyway. So calling it limitless, win is disingenuous at best.
3: Well, you not really just... call it, put the word possibly in the bucket. <laughs> yes. That would really ruin
2: the... But theory. Limitless yeah, win the, theory. theory. <laughs> but, but, you know, there's only... Theoretical so... win. <laughs> so, say yeah. there's however many episodes in series, I don't know how many there are, six. And say one couple stayed on for the whole six because they kept on going and kept on going. It's not going to happen. By nature, they're going to be restricted by some way. I mean, Antidech are great and they're great at what they do. They're restricted by this, aren't they? Because they are talking to the contestants and they're not really having the interaction between each and other.
3: It's also bloody pandemic land that we live in. They can't go over and hug them. Hug they them, can't yeah. jump up and down. It's you know, we're gonna have to get over that at some point but it just feels because of that is another reason it feels really stilted because they can't interact and shake their hands when they get to a certain level and that was another reason I thought it felt a little bit stilted. And also, I, I don't know whether they chose to show this one because it's the first one they recorded or because they were NHS workers, but the reason I tuned in, well, it was because we were recording it on the podcast, but the other reason I'd be tuning in would be to see somebody get a limitless, a a crazy amount of money that no other game show has achieved. Mm. And this first one didn't use the show to its best. You know, if if they'd seen somebody win 10 million on the opening episode, that that would have been properly
1: exciting.
2: The problem is you would have been there forever. (laughs) It would have lasted like 10 episodes, wouldn't it? That's the problem.
1: Yeah, because this was almost an hour and, yeah. you know, they were on for the majority of the show. The second lot of contestants had barely started and they'd only got up to the 500,000 pound question. The
3: other, the other annoying thing it does, and a lot of quiz shows do this.
0: You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com.
3: Saying to ramp up the tension, does that annoying slow climb up the ladder where they're going just go up one more, just go up one more, and the music boom, boom, boom as they climb up the ladder? It adds. Zero don't tension. besmirch the work of Gary Barlow. <laughs> I don't think he knows how to do drums. I think he's just a pianist. But, um, but yeah, I thought it, it lacked any of the tension, and and what the main thing it lacked, and the main thing you watch Ant and Dec for, is the fun and the camaraderie and the. The sort of joy of seeing... Because when they are good, they are unbeatable,
1: as Matt says. It's sort of schoolboy humour, isn't it, a lot of what they do? It was almost like they would be asked to play grown-ups here and they're very Mm. childlike, in a way. Yeah, it did remind me
3: most of the million-pound drop. Even that
1: I quite liked. That had more tension to it, in a way, isn't it? Because that's got that sort of running about the studio.
3: Yeah, and you physically see them lose the money, so it has more impact this i thought lacked any impact
1: i was just going to ask are there i mean i know you quite like that sitting on a fortune didn't you that was on with gary lineker but i i wasn't a massive fan of that i didn't
3: mind that
1: no
2: michael are there any sort of game shows that you enjoy any sort of recent ones or i I mean if there's a game show on i will always watch it because Mm. i like the question element of it and that's Mm. why i say like you know i know it's not gonna make good tv a pub quiz (laughs) but you know what i mean is that? I understand why they have that need to try and complicate mm. it. I I got the rules within three or four questions. Mm. Like I was like, oh right, I'm with it now. But it doesn't stand out enough from other quiz shows to go. No. Other than the fact it's asking questions.
1: They have billed that as this is the unlimited uh, jackpot, isn't it? That's what they're billing it as. You know, this is the the USP of this show is the amount of money we could give out.
2: It's, yeah, it's. Something that they're not really going to deliver on.
1: Limitless win Saturday nights at around sort of half past eight, I believe.
2: Yeah.
1: Give it a go if you can work it out, you know, answers on a postcard if you can get all the rules uh, in. one game show that I've had, and and Sarah sort of put me onto this is um, I literally just told you the Jimmy Carr I enjoy, thing. I don't I enjoy know. that. I enjoy Have that. you seen that, Michael? Uh, no, I haven't. I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's just basically they just ask them questions about what's happened within the show, more or and less. People are terrible at it. It's really mm-hmm. entertaining. You're listening to the Custard TV podcast, the official podcast of the Right, Luke's gone off somewhere. I don't know where he's gone, but I assume he'll be back in about half an hour's time. Next up uh, to talk about, then, is Screw, which is a new six-part drama Slash comedy drama, perhaps, on Channel 4. It's written by uh, Rob Williams. He has worked before on quite a lot of soaps and continuing dramas. Also wrote something called The Victim in 2019, which was a BBC drama. I don't know if you saw that one, Michael. I uh, don't
2: think so, no. Scottish
1: drama. Um, I'm trying desperately to remember who was in it now. I think Kelly MacDonald may have been in it. This is set in a prison and it stars Nina Sosanya, who uh, people will know from lots of things over the past uh, 20 years, teachers, Last Tango in Halifax. She's one of those faces, you know, even if you don't know the name. Uh, She plays Lee Henry, who's the senior guard. Is it a maximum security prison?
2: I believe so, yes.
1: Yeah, Long Marsh, it's called. She is very much married to the job. We see her in the very first scene having slept in one of the cells. The prisoners have got a lot of respect for her. She doesn't take any... Any nonsense. The first episode seen through the eyes of a new recruit, Rose Gill, played by uh, Derry Girls, is Jamie Lee O'Donnell. She very much is thrown in at the deep end, it brings up several times that she's had no training, gets given different bits of advice from all of her colleagues. When she gets there, the prisoners haven't been out of their cells for two days. There's various little sub-storylines going on, so in this first episode we have a new prisoner being transferred in and one of the existing prisoners basically revealing that this was the man who abused him when he was younger he was his swimming coach there's also something going on with rose that one of the prisoners seems to know her and at the end we find out that she's maybe involved in something underhanded lee is possibly getting a promotion or possibly not going to be in a job any longer she's being evaluated and there's also something about her parentage some mystery around that you know she's she's lucky to get a forgery done of her birth certificate by one of the prisoners that's just generally i think what's going on this first episode we've also got some supporting characters here we've got stephen white as gary who's this almost like a Jack the Lad character, quite cynical. We've got Ali, who's almost like the bright-eyed one, the most sort of positive one. And we've got an older guy called Swiss, who is called Swiss because he doesn't get involved in any of the fights. Michael, what did you make of it?
2: Well, my immediate impressions, what I first liked about this is we are essentially in the same position as Rose, literally walking into that prison and seeing everything unfold around, and feeling quite uncomfortable by it all. At first, we, she seems like a fish out of water. She's getting no respect or help from Lee, and it's all chaos. And the show perfectly, I think, encapsulates the chaos and unpredictability of a prison very well. People will come coming out of shop, People will talk over each other. Things will be kicking off over there. And we are essentially Rose just going, what is going on? It's a very strange, it it reminded me of dark, uh, No Offence.
1: Yeah, that's what yeah. I felt as well, you know. I've written down No Offence but in a prison. And Sarah actually, in the note she sent in, said it's very Paul Aberty as well.
2: I think it's because of the mixture of dark humour and the fact that it does touch on serious subjects. It can be talking about, like in this episode, child abuse, one moment, and then there's a African bullfrog. <laughs> hiding in the cupboard the next minute and it's mm-hmm. it, it's that mixture which i think's good and i think some shows when they when there's an extreme of tone straight away it knows its identity and straight away you know where you are with the cast and it's a strong cast like nina sasania i've been a fan since casanova i just think she has a really big presence in it jamie lee o'donnell does kind of have a good mixture of being a fish out of water and also being very confident and there's an undercurrent there that we're not sure about with her.
1: It's a weird one this because I did watch this on, on the on the TV and it just it didn't leave me cold but I wasn't overly taken with anything if that makes sense. Some of the humor I did, like the bullfrog thing didn't really work for me. It was very bits and bobs going on here and there but the the only sort of stories that they look like they're carrying on are, are the Stuff that's going on with Lee and her promotion and her not wanting to reveal too much about her life and her parentage. And then what's going on with Rose and, and possibly her background and what someone has asked her to do. I think that the thing I like the most was, as you met, as we mentioned, the child abuse story, which I think was, was really well done, but didn't have like a load of time devoted to it, which I know is, is the point of this, that there's so many different things going on in a prison at the same time. But I thought that was really well handled in the couple of scenes we've got with this lad who's clearly suffering still. You know, they find this knife and and it turns out that he wants revenge against this guy. And then they have this confrontation in, in the showers where he says, of course, I remember you. But he doesn't at all because he's just one of many victims. And I thought that was so affecting. Yeah. And then like the next scene, you'll have something with, as I say, like a bullfrog or something else like that and I or the the guy who's caused this massive riot or like this massive um all the the guards coming to him because he's got a knife against someone else's throat because he wants to know why something's not on the menu in the prison anymore (laughs) you know it didn't hit the same way as as something like no offense which I think handled that sort of balance of tone better the characters in that felt more well drawn here I felt aside from Lee and Rose I felt all the other characters were almost very much stereotypes I don't know did
2: you feel that? There's an element of that like uh, Gary Campbell's character played by Stephen White it's very lad blokey you know the standard guy at work who Mm. nobody likes but everyone just tolerates
1: I mean, he's almost very like a um, Ronnie Barker's character in Porridge in a way, isn't he? He's very much this is what although he's one of the guards rather than one of the prisoners. It's like this is what goes on in this prison, you know, like at Olympe. You know, he's very misogynistic, as, as Rose says, you know, she's been in all these underpaid jobs, all these horrible jobs. And there's always someone like that in the job.
2: But when you say in terms of like the child abuse storyline, the the shower shower scene in particular, Mm. I think it's probably partly purposeful that, obviously I I don't know, I've only seen the first episode whether that story evolves anymore, but it probably doesn't. No. Is is the fact that it was quite affecting and it didn't have much screen time, but Mm. what was there was effective. And I think that sums up, we are kind of looking at it from the staff's point of view to an extent that, all this is going on and they're seeing snapshots of all these people's characters and problems. And so from one scene to the next, it'll be someone else's and the next episode, it'll be something else. Mm. And it's probably better to do it maybe in the short time that they gave that, I'm sure there'll be bits of it throughout the series, but not much, mm. than say, let that roll on for three, four, five episodes when they've effectively told the story well enough in that snapshot.
1: Did you feel then that you cared about these characters? Because I, I, I really, I felt I had this distance from them a little bit. You know, it's not that I didn't believe them. I thought Nina Sosanya's performance was, was very strong. And it's great to see her, like, in a leading role rather than being part of the ensemble. But I didn't
2: feel like I'd sort of connected with anyone by the end of the episode. I know what you mean about stereotypes. I wouldn't say I left the episode feeling... A particular warmth to anyone. I, I mean, I'll, I'll watch the rest of it because I like the fast-paced nature of it. Mm. I, I liked the fact that they're clearly going to touch on some dark subjects and hopefully they'll handle it as well as the child abuse one. But in terms of like individual characters, obviously there's the undercurrent of what's going on with Lee and obviously she leaves her home at the end of the episode and ends up back in the prison and spending mm. night in the prison which we saw
1: she had done the the night before really as well she feels much more comfortable there than she does anywhere else and i think that's what they're saying that job defines her really isn't it that's that's what they are saying is this is where she feels comfortable
2: and whether this is now
1: being threatened
2: yeah whether it's an as as also that her mind is a prison as well because obviously there's something going on but we're not quite sure of her past you could pick holes in any program that's what we're here to do there, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of the concept but, but of the but podcast. you know what? I'm, but, but, um, the thing that I wasn't picking holes in this necessarily the script of the performances, because generally I thought that was very strong. Mm. I was worried about her, uh, uh, Rose, mm-hmm. walking around with earrings on. Mm. <laughs> I was expecting at some stage Lee to go, take your earrings off. Why are you wearing a watch?
1: Yeah. Well, they picked her up, didn't they, on sort of chewing gum and, and phone and things like that. So... Mm-hmm. I felt as well that Rob Williams, the writer, was trying to make a comment about underfunding in prisons and and that sort of thing. I mean, there's the comment when she starts that they haven't had enough staff to let the prisoners out of the cells for the last two days. Obviously, Rose hasn't had any training and and doesn't look like she's going to get any. So there is some commentary there. And I I felt that maybe they wanted to do a little bit more. But just to me, I think the, the comic elements felt a little forced the more dramatic moments worked for me. And I, I really like Nina Sasanya's performance, but I don't think I'm going to sort of continue with this. There wasn't that hook there to to really make me think, oh, I need to watch the next episode of this. Now, you know, it's it, it's aggressively fine is what I would describe it yeah. as. You know, I, I didn't have an issue with it at all, but it's, I, uh, as I said, you know, I don't think it's going to make a strong impression on me, but you're certainly going to,
2: stick with it i think i'll stick with it because i think there's that potential for more depth Mm. and obviously there's going to be like the running theme of what rose is doing obviously there's a prisoner that knows her the Mm. backstory to lee i think there's enough there for a hook i'm with you like on the characters at the moment there's not a connection to any of the characters apart from the guy who wanted apple crumble (laughs) i love apple (laughs) crumble
1: (laughs) (laughs) have you ever you know held a knife to Someone's throat saying, why haven't we got any apple?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what, what round that around I do
1: feel a bit sorry for your partner, Michael, if that's how you react when, when <laughs> there's no apple crumble in the cupboard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, give me No Offence Series 4 any day, but that's been and gone. And they are trying. I think this has been commissioned to be something in the same vein as that. Mm.
1: Because I don't. Did you watch Wolf at All, Paul Abbott's last series? That
2: was I watched a couple of episodes, Mm. and I really struggled with it.
1: Yeah, and I again I felt that there wasn't that sort of overarching story that No Offense had. I think that was the key to it. That you know you did have these stories of the week, but you also had you know they had like the almost like the the serial killer story in the first one, which turned out to be her partner, and then the the slavery storyline and then the stuff with the politician in the third series they had something that you were following every week and yeah. you know screw doesn't really have that or nothing that i'm that interested in and i felt the same about wolf as well i mean sarah though really liked wolf and had it as a, one of her favorite shows of the year uh sarah here i'm just going through some notes that she's very kindly sent in so she really likes the character of, of lee she says smart funny very creative Very experienced. She says, Nina Sassania is perfect casting, as I said. So, yeah, she says, feels like it was written by Paul Abbott. sharp as a tack. Pace is incredible. We are just out of depth, just like Roses, which is something you said as well, Michael. So I think Sarah was, she said this was her favourite show of the four we're covering this week as well. So possibly she's going to continue with it like you will. And I think it's, it's harsh to judge on the first episode a little bit. Yeah. There is so much to set up. You've got six characters, you've got this whole world, you're trying to tell some stories that are going to go throughout the series, some stories that are just in this episode. So I might, if I've got the time, go back on and and watch the second episode. This is all on all four now if you wanted to watch it all. Or if you're still a linear watcher, it's Thursdays at nine o'clock on Channel 4. Okay, so finally today we are going to be talking about The Wonder Years. This is the reimagining of the uh, series from the 80s and 90s this is on ab or has been on abc in america and is showing on disney plus in the uk did you ever watch the wonder years michael yes that
2: i did you... yeah i mean i think i was pretty much the perfect age when it first came out it was like a comfort blanket in my youth i absolutely loved the original wonder years so i was really surprised Oh, actually I should I'd be surprised because they remake everything. Although would they class as a remake rebrand? I said reimagining. But they right. go, yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as I say, this is ABC, but Disney are, are basically redoing all of their brands. You know, they've had the new Home Alone film, there's a Mighty Ducks TV series, there's a Turner and Hooch T V series. Is
0: that yeah. you're home with
4: IY or let us install Free design consultation Plus free samples and free shipping Free, Ho, 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 blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com, satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday Sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. La-la-la-la-la-Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or bin. As easy as a stroll in the park.
1: It's sort of, there's a new Honey, I Shrunk the Kids coming out. There's a new Three Men and a Little Baby, you know, Three Men and a Baby. Um, babies tend to be a little. The original was 88 to 93, so, yeah. you know, you would have been, what, 8 to 12, 8 to 13. Yeah, 18. I think
2: I probably watched it when I was about 10 or 11, yeah. Hmm. Was it Channel 4 over here? I'm convinced it was. Probably, about, I'm sure, about Tea Time.
1: I never sort of religiously watched it, but I remember sort of beats from it. I obviously remember... Uh, Fred Savage who directs I think quite a lot of this this new series uh, certainly directed the the first couple of episodes who he, he was uh, the lead and and I do remember his crush being Winnie Cooper and their um romance over the years so this focuses on a, a middle class black family it's the same era it's it's the late 1960s as the original one is uh, it's set in Montgomery, Alabama. We see the life, uh, the, the world through the eyes of Dean Williams, who's 12 years old. He's played by an actor called Alicia E.J. Williams. It's narrated as the uh, original one was, I should say, if, if you didn't watch the original, if you're a bit younger than me and Michael, uh, it was basically an adult reminiscing on his childhood in the 1960s and the voice in the original was Daniel Stern, who is possibly best known from Home Alone. This is Don Cheesel doing the narration here, who I think actually does a really good job and has got one of those sort of authoritative voices that you, you want to listen to. The first episode, again, like I said, with Screw, you know, they had a lot to set up in, you know, 20, 25 minute period. And I think they did... Quite a good job, you know. You meet his parents. His dad's a, a lecturer, and I don't know. Did you pick up on what his mum did? I can't. I didn't. I but they say. I no, remember. I think they're both professionals, though, aren't they? I mean, they are. And and this is sort of the time where they were trying to get rid of seg- segregation. Dean and his friend used to go to an all black school, but now they've been integrated with the white students, and they've started at a new school. Just like in the original 1D years, Dean's got a crush on a girl called Kisa. He's trying to get his baseball team to play a white baseball team for, you know, integration to take forward. And and the end of the first episode is the death of uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, Now, I went on and watched the second episode of this, Michael, and I much preferred the second episode to the first. I found this episode sort of washed over me a little bit, the first episode. And what were your views on it?
2: The thing about the original Wonder Years is is the fact that it felt so pure and fun, but there were life lessons sprinkled throughout it. And when this opens, uh, these are important subjects, of course they are, But and it's obviously a conscious attempt to put it on equivalence with our times now, but they're setting up the political climate and mentioning a pandemic. And my first thought was, uh, is this going to be as lighthearted? Is this going to be as almost like naive and sweet as the original. But as it just went on, I just think you can see the the lineage from the original to this. You can see that there's some of the same people involved because it has still got that nicety to it and that innocence to it, which I really enjoyed.
1: It's very old-fashioned because, as you say, they they have to be truthful to the original, be faithful and have that, Life lessons learned every week type thing, and and I, I think the the second episode made me laugh more than this first one did. It was all about you know him and his friends finding dirty magazines for the first time, him finding his dad's stash of, or what he thought was his dad's stash of dirty magazines, and then finding out actually they belonged to his mum. So actually <laughs> that was it, it was it was a much and felt very progressive in sort of exploring female sexuality as well and and him not really understanding that not everyone's parents were like his his parents are quite open and then Keisha's parents find it all very perverted and don't want her thinking about that at all so that second episode was a lot clever a lot funnier and I think set the series in a lot in sort of better stead for me and I think gave you maybe a better idea of, of the tone and I think what they're allowed to do now the stories they may be allowed to tell now on network tv that they weren't possibly allowed to tell in 1988 you know those early years of of the wonder years what made me feel really old was the fact that the original air does a set in 88 and was set in 68 so actually if they wanted the same time frame this would be set in 2001 now So, looking back on uh, you know George W. Bush and 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 stuff like that, but I, and I think it is good again to have that representation, and and I really like Dule Hill as as the father, and and. Uh, the actress's name is Seikong Senglo. I hope I said that right, who plays the Mum. And actually the the young lad Alicia E. J. Williams as well. He brought a lot of energy to it. And th- there was a lot to like in this. I don't you know, it's it's not something I don't think I don't think I would have watched it had Luke not suggested to watch it as one of the programmes for this week. But definitely I think it would appeal to like a family audience, you know, if if there's people listening who've got Older kids, something to watch with them, especially if they remember it the first time around. I don't know if you agree because you've you've got a youngster, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. Would you watch this with him, or uh, does he have any interest in it?
2: I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Pokemon.
1: <laughs> how how old is your little one?
2: He's eleven, so pretty much. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, you don't think then this would appeal to because that just, presumably I, would be the main appeal to,
2: would I be single kids. Think linear tv whether it's disney, <laughs> D- disney amazon netflix bbc whatever it just mm. doesn't appeal to him it's okay no it's all it's all youtube it's all watching people play games minecraft mm. pokemon i mean he does watch like a lot of cartoons on netflix but it's mm. not it's very difficult because the times have moved on i one of the things i thought when i was watching this was who would watch it mm. i'm watching it mainly because you told me to but I I would have watched it anyway because I like the original I like a bit of nostalgia and this sets out everything it achieves to set out it it sets out nostalgia it, it covers topics at the time it covers adolescence but I'm thinking is this more aimed at an older audience because I can't imagine 10 15 20 year olds accessing this and enjoying it in the same way that older people would but then I enjoyed The Wonder Years as a kid so I don't know, but obviously times have moved on.
1: Because I think that's what they're going for, Disney plots, is is doing these, you know, these IPs of, of things that we remember that people remember from the 80s and 90s, and now people like that have got kids of their own and want to sit the kids down and go, this is what I liked, here's a new version of it, you watch it with me. That seems to be what they're wanting from, like, a say, like a Mighty Ducks TV series, for example, you know, something that you may have watched as a child and then you've got a child now, so you can enjoy it together. But obviously, not if he's watching YouTube all the time.
2: Yeah, I mean, it might, it might, it might not be the case with everyone, of course, but mm. I just can't imagine this kind of storytelling is, is appealing to. Because there
1: was someone like, else that's we
2: that's had on who
1: had a child who did a lot of watching of YouTube
2: yeah um, just, they don't they don't view telly in, because everything's so easily accessible now they do, i know obviously streaming you can watch whenever you like but it's just i don't know i can't if i showed him this he'd be bored within two minutes
1: really yeah Just yeah. is but i mean my friend's got a 11 year old and he it's a really weird one he was when i stayed with him for a few days he was watching do you know superstore the american sitcom i've you heard of that it's basically it's a it's an american sitcom set in a, a supermarket and he loved that and it's really strange <laughs> i think I, d- I don't think maybe you can sort of typify what a youngster will watch anymore because you know it's, it's sort of it was like an american version of trolleed i don't know if you remember trolley yeah. the, the british sitcom and it was bizarre just seeing him sort of invested in in like a 20 minute sort of very traditional sitcom uh, but then again you know he will you know he was very into like watching stuff on youtube as well which seems to be the modern thing, and you know we've had many discussions on here about retaining younger viewers, and if it, if that's possible with so many different options now on on uh, online. <laughs> so the Wonder well, is it? If you want to watch the Wonder Years, it is I believe it is all on Disney Plus now in the UK. So did you have something else to say? No, no, I was just thinking oh. like um. No,
2: what I was going to say, is just generally as a rule, I don't like narration over TV shows. Okay. I suffered with Arrested Development, The Inbetweeners, because essentially it's not what's happening here but essentially they're describing the joke that you're visually seeing, mm. which is always my thing. So now whenever anything's got n- constant constant narration on it, I'm a bit like guarded. But this didn't suffer from that problem. It's more not quite like Peep Show, like an eternal monologue, something mm. happens and then he's processing it, you're hearing what's going on in his mind. Rather than mm. what's going on the outside. So that's a different element, I suppose.
1: It's sort of like the punchline rather than the setup, isn't it? Yeah. Because he's looking back on the scene we've just seen and saying, actually, looking back on it, this was probably the facts. Yeah. Um and again, that was something that the Wonder Years was, was known for and you know, people would have gone, Well, where's the narration if they didn't have the
2: narration, wouldn't they? <laughs> there'd be a lot of, there'd be a lot of awkward pauses.
1: Yeah, exactly. No big intro either, which was one of the things I remember, you know, um, little help from my friends, wasn't it? The whole sort of home movies with the the theme tune. I think that's one of the things that I remember distinctly from The Wonder Years.
2: Yeah, but I did find the Martin Luther King stuff really affecting because Mm. obviously it it places you in a time, a, a moment in history that people know about. Mm. and you can see the effect on that family and the local community and the distance obviously between the white and the black communities. Mm. So I th- I thought that was all very ha- handled very well. I mean it's it's an easy watch essentially. Mm. It's an easy nostalgic watch and if that's your thing then you can't go wrong with it.
1: So as as we said Disney Plus uh, it's all there now. The best and the worst on the box. It's the custard TV podcast. It's too good to be true. Well, thank you to Michael for for joining us today. I hope you you didn't didn't feel like it was too much of a wasted trip today for, for the shows. <laughs> no, no. we gave you.
2: It's always a pleasure to be on the show.
1: We'll hold you to that next time. That's a bit of a. I, I I thought we thought that at least two of the shows. I think you got something out, didn't you? Yeah. Screwing Screwing the Wonder Years. I think Definitely. you you quite enjoyed. <laughs>
3: That's a weird show. <laughs> Screw the Wonder Years.
1: And Luke, thank you for being here for part of it and and lending your positivity as ever
3: what i should say is also before i did we spoke about the new site there is one thing i'd like to send a special message out thanks to uh our newest sponsor and backer on the site we've struggled over the years to have somebody with you know deep pockets to support us thank you very much to edf energy for <laughs> for just supporting the website and just you know there's been no comeback for me and they've been great champions of what we've done and
2: so that's obviously... where my money's going
3: yes it is basically sorry about that but at least you know it's going to a good course
1: <laughs> <laughs> thanks to sarah for watching all the shows and contributing her thoughts as well so uh we shall be back next week with uh among the reviews we'll be doing we'll be doing the new series of euphoria which luke is very much looking forward to i think yes, aren't you? I You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Matt's TV Bites. Uh, Luke is... At Luke Custard TV. And Michael? Uh, Yekim
2: underscore Mikey. Are you still podcasting elsewhere as well? I am. I'm still doing my Manic Street Preachers podcast. That's was taking the
1: electrics up.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: I know. Got a new episode out at the moment or... Uh
2: we recently did a Christmas special and we'll have another one out by the end of January. Another Christmas, Christmas special. special.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we both jumped on yeah. at the same time. There, didn't I just, <laughs> what can I say? I've been just,
2: doing this too long. I just really love Christmas.
1: <laughs> As Luke said, there's lots of new bits and bobs up on the site to read, and there's a new thing about the leftovers. Uh, not Christmas Leftovers, the actual the, yeah. the TV show. Um, and reviews of Girls 5 Ever um, and uh, 4 Lives and uh, toasted Tinsel Town. so lots to read there and we'll be back with you uh, same time next week. Thank you very much. Rate and review us wherever you
0: find us. I think that it's programmes like this that help people realise that they're not alone.
1: Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook.
0: Your home with blinds.com
4: DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho, ho, ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople. Saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off. Plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. blinds.com. <laughs> Rules and restrictions may apply.